welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. We are on the air, Soccer Morning. A little bit later than usual, but that's okay. It is Monday that has uh, that has caused some issue here. We are getting underway. We've got Grant Wall scheduled for today. I'm feeling very rushed. I apologize for sounding rushed as well. We've got some news to hit. Why don't we go ahead and do that ahead of, again, ahead of Grant Wall uh, from Sports Illustrated in just a couple of minutes. I bet you can imagine what he's going to talk about. Yep, that's right. The news, U.S. men's national team falls to Guatemala 2-0 in Guatemala City on Friday night. Rafael Morales, Carlos Ruiz with the goals in the first 15 minutes to put the Americans behind. Uh, that is uh, that. That means the two teams will play in Columbus, Ohio, tomorrow night in the return leg with the United States now under pressure in the fourth round of Olympic, uh, sorry, Olympic World Cup qualifying. The United States in third place now with three games to go. Top two advance out of the group, obviously, to the Hex. Jurgen Klinsmann has called up Sporting Kansas City's Graham Zusi and 17-year-old Borussia Dortmund man. Christian Pulisic to support or to uh, reinforce the team. This is with Bat Beasler leaving uh, due to a, a concussion. I believe somebody else was sent home as well. I don't have that in front of me. We'll get that. We'll check all up on all of that with Grant Wall. That happened on Friday night. Uh, before that, on Friday afternoon, the USU 23s earned a 1-1 draw in Barranquilla in the first leg of their Olympic qualifying tie with Colombia, the United States will try to finish the job and lock up a place in Rio in the tournament uh, tomorrow night in Frisco, Texas. So the United States men's senior team and the United States men's U23s both playing tomorrow as well. Luis Gill scored the goal for the United States in that uh, draw. A very, very good result away for the United States uh, in Colombia. England beat Germany on Saturday. 3-2, uh, excuse me, 2-3 two, two, if, uh, if the English were saying it, in Berlin. The three Lions came back from a 2-0 deficit. Jamie Vardy, Harry Kane scoring to bring England level. That uh, Vardy goal was pretty special. Eric Dyer scores the winner to lift England over Germany. Zlatan Ibrahimovic says he's weighing offers from the Premier League. No discussions with PSG, he says. Uh, West Ham is keen on signing Ibrahimovic. They chase Champions League football next season. We shall see. Obviously, Ibrahimovic in um, in high demand, even though he is still uh, even though he is now 33 years old. MLS results from Saturday: you had a, a shortened slate of games because of the international weekend. NYCFC plays to a 1-1 draw with the Revolution at Yankee Stadium. Tommy McNamara scores the goal, putting back a David Villa shot to hit the crossbar. Chris Tierney, Chris Tierney, excuse me, with a free kick goal for New England. The Revs played most of the second half down a man after Gertrude Kofi was shown a red card for a challenge on McNamara. And Caldwell Poku made his first NYCFC appearance of the year. FC Dallas dominated DC United 3-0 at RFK Stadium. Michael Barrio scored a brace in the first half. Maxi Rudy added a goal. Uh, not, no surprise there as DC United falls to FC Dallas. Vancouver holds on to a 1-0 win over the Dynamo at BC Place. Pedro Morales scoring a first half penalty to put the Whitecaps up. Morales has four goals in 2016, all four of them from the spot. Houston hit the woodwork twice and forced five saves from David Usted uh, in their first goalless performance of the year. They had been leading the league in goal score. All right, here before we uh, roll on to Grant Wall, let me thank Bo Durr for sending me some books. Uh, Enduring Spirit by Bo Durr and uh, Single Digit Soccer by Bo Durr arrived over the weekend. Thank you very much to Bo for sending those. We'll get them up on the shelf behind me uh, in just... Uh, 
Just a little bit. All right, Grant Wall, Sports Illustrated. Again, it's Monday. Things got delayed. We're on. We're, we're rushing, but we're going to get to it all. U.S. Men's National Team, U23. Stay right there. SoccerMorningBackHill.com. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, we are we're, we're we're running on all cylinders. I think we're finally up and running on a Monday. Soccer Morning on Backhill.com. Joining me on Skype, senior writer at Sports Illustrated, uh, the inimitable. Don't try those words in the morning on a Monday. Grant Wall. Hi, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Jason? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm working into it. Okay, so uh, and, and look, the the the. The game on Friday night's not helping me too much. Uh, the United States falling two nothing to Guatemala. Um, where where do we begin, Grant? I mean, obviously it was a bad performance, but it seems to me uh, those those two mistakes defensively just uh, they they did they, they undid anything Klinsman was trying to plan for. Yeah, I mean, when you go down two nothing that early, uh, it certainly changes a lot of things. Um, you know, part of me was sitting in that stadium and, and thinking, well, that, there's still a lot of time now for, for the U.S. to get back in this game. And we've certainly seen examples all over the soccer world of teams conceding two goals early and finding ways to get back into the game. Um, there were some chances for the U.S. They shot right at the goalkeeper uh, who had a good game. Um, but there was also a lot of disjointed attacking play and some real sort of – desperation from Klinsman uh, in the second half. Things seemed to be going all right early in the second half with the Nagby introduction, and um, it didn't go as well once Altidore was brought on for a defender. So I, th- I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he, um, he, he did throw the kitchen sink at it. I mean, and, and I think for the layman, that's like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, go for, you, you're down two goals. You got to get one back. Throw in as many attackers as you want, but or as you can, but Unfortunately, what that sometimes does is is clog up lanes, create problems with uh, people sharing space, obviously unbalanced. And there were some, uh, not that the Guatemalans ultimately took advantage, but there were some, obviously some big gaps between the midfield and the and the back line or what, what was left of the back line. Yeah. And you know, it seemed to disrupt some positive uh, changes that had happened. So, uh Pretty terrible result. Uh, you know, well, hadn't lost to him since 1988, and, and I, that you know that stands out. And, and this is a for for all the the first Jurgen Klinsmann has brought to the to the United States on the positive side of the ledger. Grant, he's brought some negative ones as well. Haven't you know the, the loss to Jamaica on home soil? I think it was that the first time ever, the first time in forever. And obviously, this loss to Guatemala. How do we how do we reconcile these things? You don't. I mean, you just say what it is. It's bad. Uh, and there have been times when Klinsman's U.S. team has been able to perform better than expected. Uh, it just hasn't happened recently, and I think uh, fans are definitely wanting to see that at this point. Uh, and the U.S. has put itself in a real tight spot now. I mean, this is a fact. If the U.S. loses tomorrow, they're almost certainly out of the World Cup. Uh, and I guess we were sort of in that situation if we were looking at it with the U.S. four years ago in the semifinal round, uh, in the return leg against Jamaica right after the U.S. had lost to Jamaica, 
Uh, and they found a way to get a Hercules Gomez goal and get mm-hmm. three points and muddle their way through to the hex. Uh, that's what's going to have to happen again if the U.S. is going to advance. And, um, you know, you, you just kind of feel like the U.S. should be farther along yeah. than this. And yet, even it was interesting. I was talking with people this week about the 2002 team, which in many ways is the gold standard of U.S. soccer. Got to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And yet I was in Barbados in 2000 when that that cycle, uh, when the U.S. was 30, 35 minutes from being out of the World Cup mm-hmm. in Barbados. Uh, so, you know, sometimes this stuff happens and uh, the semifinal round doesn't have a lot of margin for error. And I've always kind of said if the U.S. wasn't going to qualify for a World Cup, that it might happen in the semifinal round, not the final mm. round, when there is more of a margin for error. All right. Well, considering what happened with that 2002 team, considering how tight it was in the last cycle, does that give Jurgen Klinsmann something of a of a pass here? Um, I think with his boss, um, you know, Sunil Gulati, in speaking to him after the game on Friday night, uh, and sharing a plane with him back, in in talking to him briefly, um, uh, you know, he's not happy right now. I don't think, but. Uh, I think he's, you know, what he's saying is, look, the U.S. has been in this situation before. It's not fun to be in. CONCACAF can be tough. And here we are. Um, we need a result on Tuesday. So this game in, on Tuesday is m- so much bigger in many ways than the game on Friday because it's a home game and you've got mm-hmm. to win your home games. And it becomes a true disaster if you don't do that. Uh, crazy to be saying that given this is a very easy group, the easiest of the three CONCACAF groups, and you thought the U.S. had drawn into uh, a sweetheart situation, you do wonder what would have happened if they'd drawn into one of the other groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Mexico's group, Mexico's uh, navigating that just fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> Not that uh, we need to invoke them necessarily, but we compare ourselves to Mexico all the time. Uh, I, so, so uh, you know, in the aftermath of the loss, the the it's the same story over and over again at least in terms of the reaction um during Klinsman's tenure it's people are upset people are angry people are snarky people make jokes and then we get into the discussion of whether or not Jurgen Klinsman should be fired or if this is his responsibility or if he should get a pass because of a perceived lack of quality in the player pool Grant I just don't see this lack of quality so much in the player pool thing. I think there's a lot more depth of quality, actually, in the U.S. player pool than there was in the early 2000s or, or in the 90s. I do wonder why we don't see more Tab Ramoses, more Landon Donovans, more Clint Dempsey's of a younger age, um, because that, to me, is a much bigger question than why the u.s has yet to produce a a true global superstar which is still an important question sure um and why haven't mls academies done better and so some of this stuff is not klinsman but then again he's also the technical director and he's also getting paid more than three million dollars a year and you look at his predecessors bob bradley bruce arena and they all had some of their moments when things didn't go great in qualifying and yet they weren't doing – I mean, Klinsman hasn't done appreciably better than those guys who are getting paid much, much less. And, and so I think it is fair to expect Klinsman to, to have done more that he has not done, including style of play, which has been such a thing from him for the, since the, the first press conference when he took over in 2011. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we could uh, we could go into individual areas of the field and talk about the quality that's available to Klinsman. I, I don't buy the, the lack of quality in the player pool either. I mean, it's, it, at the very least, even if you want to make that argument, Grant, I think you have to acknowledge that, that Klinsman has some responsibility in failing to maximize whatever the player pool is, considering I, even if it's not that great, it's not as you said appreciably worse than 2002 or 2006 so at some point the buck has to stop on Klinsman's desk no it does and and you know I, I think even in more specific terms the lack of consistency in the U.S. lineups the inability to have a a, a consistent central defensive tandem uh, is a huge problem the the continuing playing players out of position. You know, I had Jeff Cameron on the SI podcast a couple weeks ago and he came out and said, look, I don't feel comfortable as a, as a fullback. I feel comfortable in the central part of the field, whether that's as a central defensive midfielder, whether that's as a center back. And yet here we see again, Jeff Cameron being asked to play right fullback, Michael Roscoe being asked to play in the central defense. And yes, they had some injuries, but that you know, Yedlin playing in the midfield. Um, it, 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 Grant, it, 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 it's it remains. What say what you want about Bob Bradley? Certainly Bruce Arena, who who of the three of them, I, I think has the most abrasive personality. Klinsman constantly gives the impression, and I'm not saying that, and maybe I'm being un, unduly harsh on him, that he's smarter than everybody else. And because he's smarter than everybody else, he's going to do things that nobody else can understand. And then what we get is a loss to Guatemala where they're down two goals in the first 15 minutes. And yes, you can fault Mick Discarude for the lack of marking on the first goal, and you can certainly fault uh, Gonzalez and Orozco for getting split on a on a pretty simple uh, a goal kick. And maybe Michael Bradley, I, I don't know. But that, in the end, those players don't feel comfortable where they're playing. No, they don't. I, I would say also, Mick Discarude, before that game even started, you and me and a lot of other people out there could have named about five guys who were available to start who would have been a better call for that position than Nick's discord. So it's one thing when you're looking at these situations and you're actually seeing lineups and going, wow, I can already tell you that's going to be a disaster. Alejandro Bedoya against Brazil uh-huh. as a central defensive midfielder. It's, it's really strange actually. And so yeah, I think that's worth calling out. I, I mean, it, 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 I, 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 it's so confounding that at some at various points over his tenure, and this probably is the the low. Um, I've conjured this uh, this thought that Jurgen Klinsmann literally wants to see the whole thing burn to the ground so he can build it back, or somebody can build it back up. If he's that much of a Machiavellian figure, then I guess give him credit. <laughs> He's actually trying to sabotage. I mean, I don't know. What else can you, how else can you explain it? Again, I think it's, I, I, that's probably not true as much as it would make for a great story. I think the truth is that he, I don't know that, that he, I don't want to put it on ego necessarily, Grant. I just think he overthinks these things. Yeah. I mean, you want to see improvement. Uh, you want to see growth. We're not seeing that with the U.S. men's national team now for what, 18 months? Um, so that's, to me, the thing. It's not just like a post-World Cup hangover. It's like a post-World Cup, I don't know, terminal illness. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and now there's really little margin for error. Yeah. 
you know, it you know makes, it, look, and it's true. Look, it's true that Mexico nearly got knocked out of the World Cup, and it took Graham Zusi saving them, of course. And, and they have obviously they have a, a significant amount of talent. It would have been a uh, it would have been ridiculous for them to miss out. It'll be ridiculous if the United States misses out. Uh, I don't think we're going to see Jurgen Klinsmann fired, particularly, in, uh, you know, specifically because you of what you said about Sunil Galati and, and, and obviously where this team has been in the past, if, if they win to, uh, tomorrow night. If they don't win tomorrow right. night, all bets are off. Um, I think if they lose tomorrow night, that's the only situation I can imagine Clemson being okay. in trouble. Well, well, let's let's you know because the other side of the question, the other thing that comes up every single time is whether or not uh, there is a a legitimate um, successor to Klinsman. That's the argument. Oh, who who would you replace him with? And I can think of four or five guys I would replace him with right now who I think at least could go out and and put together a team that could be effective and grind out a couple of wins because that's what I'm concerned about now because that's how far down they are. Yeah, I mean, I, Bruce Arena is the first one in my mind, um, and I actually think he would be willing to take the job in the right circumstances. Bob Bradley's another one. I don't think he would actually want. I can't imagine a circumstance in which he would take the job. Uh, to be honest, um, for some reason there seems to be more antipathy behind the scenes from Bob Bradley toward Sunil Gulati than uh, than from Bruce Arena. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, there's other guys too. I mean, like I'd love to know a little more about what happened behind the scenes with Jason Kreis. Mm. You know, and obviously he uh, was fired from from NYCFC, and yet uh, someone had a fairly interesting argument that they thought the U.S. team was more organized in the January friendlies because of Kreis. Wow, <laughs> wow. wow. Uh, it's impossible to know for sure, but if that, <laughs> but that's even a thought. That's that's a commentary on Klinsman, certainly. Yeah. Um, but look, uh, all bets are off if the U.S. loses tomorrow. And, mm. and, and in World Cup terms, it won't be until September until the next important game. So you would have some time. Obviously, the Copa America would be then viewed as maybe a different thing if you bring a different coach in, um, you know, right before that. Right. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things when none of us are dumb, right? I mean, like, so – Coaches in sports typically get fired not based on one result, but because of a, a real long-term direction of bad results. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are mm-hmm. right now with Klinsman. And it's one thing to not qualify for Confederations Cup. It's even one thing not to win the Gold Cup. Those don't have anything to do with the World Cup. But if you put the World Cup qualification in serious jeopardy, that's when you're going to get canned. Well, uh, the, US the, the the U.S. soccer, uh, you know, U.S. soccer's existence. I mean, look, um, obviously the the women's program is going great right now, aside from some internal issues. But I mean, in terms of winning on the field and being the best and having star players, the women's side is fantastic. The men's side, you know, obviously everything hinges on making the World Cup. If you don't make the World Cup, the, the, I mean, essentially the whole, like I say, it falls apart. It would still be U.S. soccer, but everything you've built towards kind of becomes um you know seriously damaged by that failure uh and 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 i've heard that argument i'm I'm not one of these people grant but i've heard the argument that maybe the united states needs a wake-up call by failing to make a world cup is there any anything to that um i i, I tend to agree with and, and jürgen klinsman believes this by the way that u.s players are not as good as they're told they are a lot of the time um, I think he's talking mainly about younger generation U.S. players who he thinks are overhyped. I think he was actually taking a swipe at the media. 
uh, for building them up. No, he doesn't do that at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, and it is true, I guess. Here's what I would say. As you look at the history, the U.S. is under Bruce Arena, under Bob Bradley, when World Cups have gone well, um, has been better than the sum of its parts. You know, even under Bruce, under Klinsman in 2014, if you look at the clubs where the U.S. plays, mm-hmm. um, they're not nearly as good as a lot of the teams they play against at the World Cup. Um, that is part of the U.S.'s identity over the years and is not part of their identity right now. In fact, I don't know what kind of identity the U.S. has at this point under Klinsman because the bedrocks that used to be there being fitter than anybody else, not totally true anymore. Mm. Um you know, uh, being really hard to play against. Not really true anymore. Uh, and it's one thing to come in with all these grand promises like Klinsman made about playing this attacking proactive style against the top teams in the world, but you can't lose the bedrocks of your identity yeah. Yeah. At, that, at the same time. Yeah. And that's what's happened. So that's, to me, maybe the biggest concern out of all of this is I don't know what this U.S. team's identity is anymore. I don't know mm. what they're about. Yeah, it's a, it's a good. I, I'm not sure that Klinsman rejected that identity, but I, I think maybe either either took that identity for granted or failed to to um, failed to take care of that identity as he went about whatever business he's been going about for the last you know uh, five years. All right, so um, he's called he's called in uh, Graham Zusi and Kristen Pulisic to, as as uh, as reinforcements here. Um, Matt Beasler goes back to Kansas City with a with a concussion. That bears watching, by the way. That could have a big impact on sporting season. And uh, Fabian Johnson just wasn't going to make enough progress. I think we all saw that coming, considering uh, how recently he had injured himself or had been injured in Germany. Um, I mean, I think the focus is going to be on the kid. I'm not sure we're going to see him, except for maybe a garbage time appearance to cap tie him if the U.S. is up and comfortable, Grant. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I, I do think there is a real concern inside U.S. soccer about cap tying Pulisic. Okay. Uh, so that said, everything he has done to this point suggests that he wants to play for the United States, but I just think they want to remove any concern, uh, just take it out of the, the equation. Better safe than sorry, sure. Yeah. Um, but and, and I do think there's more than one reason to bring him in. I think they think he's really promising, and he is, and let's see – give him some time just behind the scenes with the team and training with the team and, and kind of set things up. I think they would love to have Pulisic be a guy that could be a, a real factor mm. at the 2018 world cup. Okay. If they make it. Okay. I like you said, like, I mean, 17 years old, but maybe the age is not as important as whatever his maturity is emotionally. And, and obviously he's worked his way into the first team at Dortmund. That's an incredible accomplishment for a kid. As young as he is. Um, all right. So I, I guess at the end here, as we kind of wrap up the, the, the senior national team discussion ahead of tomorrow night, um, there's reason to worry here. But at the same time, none of us are going to be surprised if they go out and, and drop a 2 nothing on Guatemala and not, not right the ship and not make everybody happy, but at least keep that specter of missing out away. I think that's the most likely scenario. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if, if you're losing at home to Guatemala – in we just need to remind ourselves here. Guatemala is really not a good team. No. And this isn't even like losing to Jamaica in the, in the previous cycle four years ago. Jamaica's a decent team. Um, everything's in disarray in Guatemala. The whole federation is, is screwed up. 
you've got a lot of their uh, administrators ensnared in the U.S. Department of Justice investigation. This was a team that barely advanced two rounds ago against Bermuda, that barely advanced the last round against Antigua. Um, that's perspective. You know, a team that lost at home to Trinidad in the first game of this round. So they're terrible. I mean, let's be honest here. Guatemala is a terrible soccer team, and they just beat the United States 2 nothing. All right, the, uh, the U23s went to, to, to just flip this around, make it a little bit more positive. They went to Colombia. I think we were all expecting, we were expecting the United States to take care of business in Guatemala. We weren't expecting the United States to take care of business in, in Colombia. And, and though they were outplayed, Grant, and no one's surprised by that, they did get out of there with a 1-1 draw. Luis Gill scoring a, an early goal and they, and they held on after that. I mean, I think uh, you, you couldn't really ask for anything more. You know, I'm actually, yeah, I think, People are being a little overly negative about style of play and being outplayed against, you know, against Colombia. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, this is all about getting a result in a two-game playoff and getting to the Olympics. And right now, at least, the U.S. is in a pretty decent position. That said, I'm feeling a little bit like I did when RSL got a result <laughs> down in Mexico in the Champions yeah. League final. <laughs> and so you're kind of waiting yeah. for the other shoe to drop at home. Um, that said, I, I think this is a real opportunity, um, which is probably a much better situation than we were expecting for uh, this Olympic team heading into the second leg. Well, look, they they, they did they lost to Honduras in the Olympic qualifying tournament in Concacaf. Um, they, they shouldn't have lost that game in, in Utah. They had right. no business losing that game. They were outplayed, and, and I, we all saw the, the Olympic disaster of 2012 repeating itself. Their lifeline was this playoff, at least. Through 90 minutes, they've given themselves a chance because I'm not sure that, that we, you know, we really thought that that was possible. So at the very least, I mean, I don't know what Herzog's going to do in Frisco, Grant. I mean, they, they, I look at that roster and I'm actually encouraged by that roster a lot. And then there's a couple of guys who aren't Christian Pulisic isn't in it and he's 17. Um, right. there, there's, there's some guys missing due to injury. Cameron Carter Vickers, who's a, a very young player. So, you know, I, I, I see the talent there. Whether or not they can make the Olympics may be a different thing. Yeah, I'd say a couple of things. I mean, I think this is evidence that there are some younger players, promising players in the pipeline who are involved in this U.S. Olympic qualifying effort that would be involved in Brazil this summer. So uh, that's encouraging, I guess you could say. I would also take this occasion to point out how absurd it is that there are only 12 women's teams involved in the Olympic tournament, and there mm. are, I think, 16, 16 men's teams um, and the U.S. men are getting this opportunity here that the U.S. women would not have. It, it's boggling my, to the mind uh -huh. that there's no gender equity here. No, that's a, it's a good point. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, so we, we imagine that the the senior team will probably get it done in Columbus. Do you, do you have you know, like you said, you're waiting for the other shooter drop. Do you want to make a prediction about tomorrow night in Frisco, or would you rather not? I mean, my predictions aren't very useful. But I, I mean, like, I, I, I I'm. Mildly encouraged, I think, that the U.S. is going to find a way to get into the Olympics. Um, I wouldn't bet the house on it. Okay, well, at the same time, okay, so let, the, I guess the other question is, I mean, in Barranquilla, there's no question what you're going to do. You're going to maybe look for a goal, you know, you're going to hope for a goal. They got one, a uh, very good play. 
I can't remember who uh, who had the the cross, the cutback to to Gill the front, in front of the net. But you know, obviously, a very good bit of play to get the goal. Then you you sit back and you just absorb pressure because that's the smart way to play it. In Frisco, does Herzog try to go for a little bit, or does he end up doing the same thing again? Good question. Because I, he's I got the way goal. Trying it's the to goal. play for a zero-zero at home, that's Dangerous. generally not uh, a strategy you want to take. Um, even though that would get the U.S. through, um, and I don't think they'll play that way. I just, I just have a hard time imagining that on on home soil. Um, I would say also too, for those folks who are complaining about the U.S. being outplayed in the opener in Colombia, that was a game state situation. When you get yeah. an early goal like exactly. that, exactly. Mm-hmm. then, yeah, you're going to probably change the way you play the game. Every player, on, yeah, every player on that field knew once they, they scored that first goal that that was all they wanted out of that game. They just didn't want Columbia to go score two or three. So what do you do? You, whether you intend to or not, your instinct says, okay, defend, 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 defend. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, I got no problem with that yeah. um, on the road in a, in a tough situation, in the heat. Um, and you know, here you are, you, you've given yourself a real opportunity to advance now, probably better than anyone was expecting. I probably would have thought even during most of that game that Guatemala or uh, Colombia would have come out two to one ahead. They didn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, like there's two very important games mm. tomorrow and, and that part has me excited. The adrenaline's going for that and, and we'll see how, how the U S does. They're on home soil for both games and, uh, I think there's a decent chance that you could get two positive results and have a rare for these days, good day for U.S. men's soccer. Yeah, let's, let's hope for that. Grant Wall, senior writer, Sports Illustrated. You can find him on Fox, and uh, it's all over the place. He's all over the place. Grant, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Jason. Take uh, care. Was, uh, Grant Wall. Phone lines will be open. Your chance to sound off on everything that happened on Friday or the weekend if you want to do that. I'm not sure why. Soccer Morning, backheel.com. Stay right there. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, we're back on the air on a Monday. The phone lines are open, and they are hot. 646-832-3909 is how you get to me and how you get on Soccer Morning and how you let loose with whatever it is that has been building up in your brain since Friday night at around 12 a.m. Eastern Time. 10 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time, or uh, sorry, Mountain Time. That's 8 o'clock. No, that's right. But no, nine o'clock. What is wrong with me today? Nine o'clock Pacific. At least, at least, here's the thing. At least you people out on the West Coast got a chance to watch that game and then have some evening left to try to forget about it. I had to watch that game. First of all, I had to rate the players. That was fun. Then I had to go to bed because I was tired. Didn't get a chance to do any, didn't get a chance to decompress. Mike in Philadelphia, you're on the air. What's up? Hey, Jason. Uh, I just got to say, Klinsman is not a leader. 
He doesn't have respect for any aspect of the program he's running. He doesn't respect any of the soccer culture in this country. There's no respect for the players, no respect for the fans, no respect for the media, and he doesn't respect the domestic league. It's, it's garbage. And on top of it, there's absolutely no accountability on his end. It's always someone else's fault. It's the player's fault. It's the ref's fault. It's something else's fault, but never Jurgen's. Quite frankly, I think the culture he created and his attitude overall, it just doesn't create an environment where he can get the most out of his players. I don't think the U.S. will ever have success under Klinsman. Uh, and quite frankly, he's the equivalent of a crappy boss. Uh, think about this. If you have a boss that's a pompous jerk-off, do you really think this guy is going to get the most out of his employees? And the answer is no. He's, I don't know why Sunil doesn't see this. Uh, I think Sunil Galati uh, pushed all of his chips in on Jurgen Klinsmann. He tried to do it in 2000, uh, 2007, but, or, yeah, 2007, by the way. Uh, 2006, late 2006. He tried to push his chips in on, on Jurgen Klinsmann then. It didn't work. Uh, he had uh, Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley did okay, but Bob Bradley didn't advance the program, quote unquote. Then Jurgen, then, then Sunil Gladi got his chance and he got his man and he pushed all his chips in and now he is, he's pot, I mean, I'm sorry to use poker terms here. I'm not even a poker player really. He's pot committed. He, he has no choice. His money is in the middle of the table. He can't pull it back now. So I think in Sino Galati's mind, there is no pulling the tr- the plug until until the failure happens. The failure has already happened. Like you know, I get it. You made a mistake. I'm sorry you made a mistake. We understand that. If you admit you made that mistake, maybe we can forgive you. It's, <laughs> it's too far down at this point. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I, I and I do not understand these that there's still Klinsman defenders out there. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I don't know that, I don't know that they, I've seen a whole lot of active Klinsman defenders. Like he's great. He's Maybe there are some They're They're not happily. They're not, uh, they're not people who have infected my timeline on Twitter. Maybe I, we haven't had any calls that are defending Jurgen on this show recently. I think, but I do think there's a large contingent of people who said it, look, he's working with, He's working with uh, poor tools, and it's not necessarily entirely his fault. Not defending him, not saying he's great, but also saying, "Hey, you're you're misplacing your blame." That's that's what I'm getting, Mike. Well, we had the same poor tools with our past coaches, and we've had a lot more. Look, I I remember at the end of Bradley, everyone was anxious, but the results are the results, right? We had more success under Bradley. We had more success under arena. It's, uh, I, I get wanting to advance the program, but it's a failed experiment at this point. Hmm. Pull the plug. All right, Mike, he's the first one to call. He's calling for the firing of Jurgen Klinsman. Thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's go down to Texas and talk to uh, our man Nelly down there. What's up, Nelly? Hey, Jason. <clears throat> on, uh, after the game, Klinsman was asked about Tim Howard, and he says that he, it did not surprise him that he would be kind of shaky. Tim Howard, as far as I know, hasn't been a starter goalkeeper for Everton. And we have a goalie right now who's hot in the name of William Yarbrough, who has four clean sheets for Leon, who has made some really good saves at the beginning of this uh, Liga MX tournament. 
Why William Yarbrough is not our starting goalkeeper? I don't. I don't understand. I feel we gotta have the hot hot goalie in. Yeah. Give him a chance. Prove that you can be the starter in the future. The, the era of Tim Howard to me it's over. We need to get away from him and put in William Yarbrough, who's currently hot right now. And if he doesn't do it, well, let's get somebody else in. Yeah. Sean Johnson, Cody Groper, somebody else. Not Sean Johnson. Tim Howard. He needs to go. Okay. All right. Look, um, you've got uh, a, a, a U.S. men's national team. Thanks for calling, Nelly. A U.S. men's national team legend in Tim Howard. You've got a the guy who was supposed to be next in line, who's hit a major uh, bit of bumpy uh, bumpy road in in Aston Villa with Brad Guzan. You have the the guy after that. The next generation star was supposed to be Bill Hamid, and, and maybe still is, but he's injured. He can't play right now. You have William Yarborough recently sort of emerging. Um, some question over. William Yarbrough's um, abilities. I mean, for for all of the progress he's made, I, I consistently hear people talk about you know, William Yarbrough doesn't do crosses very well. William Yarbrough doesn't do this very well. Maybe William Yarbrough is not the best communicator, or the best uh, commander of a back line. And I think that you know we put a lot of emphasis on those things over the years, and maybe Clinton puts those too much emphasis on those things as well. And that's why Tim Howard played. Here's the here's the thing, though, people. Tim Howard is not why they lost that game. Tim Howard did not play well. That first goal was, I mean, Tim Howard basically was in quicksand trying to get to that goal off the back of, of mixed disc screw. Maybe he didn't anticipate that that deflection, but okay. Uh, the second goal, look, he got beat by, by Carlos Suiz, who was in space. Uh, lots of goalkeepers get beat in that situation. I'm not sure how much you put that on him. but So he was not the reason they lost that game. But I, I, I appreciate the, the suggestion that maybe it's time to move on. Al in, in Missouri. What's up, Al? Hey, what's going on, Jason? You know, everybody's talking about, you know, wanting to get rid of um, Jurgen Klinsmann. And, um, you know, I was a defender of him, but... Um, Speak up, Al. I think it's now time for him. Okay. I was a defender of um, Jurgen Klinsmann, you know, and everything else. We had, he had initially had a good start back in 2000. In 13, when they were just sweeping up the CONCACAF and everything else. And then everything, I think, kind of went downhill. And I think it got started when the Landon Donovan fiasco back in 2014. That's where I think that's where that's where everything just got discompositive. The, 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 well, the Donovan fiasco actually started in 2013, right? That was 2013 is when Donovan took his sabbatical and came back no, to actually, the... It was too, too, it was 2014, and I think that it went that that's when it went downhill, even okay. before the um the World Cup, because you know, no, no, everybody I, I, was okay. talking about right, that. Right. No, go go ahead, go ahead. And and he was basically the spiritual leader of that team was Landon Donovan. You know, he kept a lot of players intact and everything. And I think once Jurgen Klinsmann got rid of him. And everything else. That's what it went down. Yeah, but 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 Al, what I'm saying is that Landon Donovan took his sabbatical, walked away, went to Burma or wherever he was at the beginning of 2013. Okay, from actually at the end of 2012, 2012 into 2013. It's like a three or four month period where he just disappeared, walked away, not disappeared. He told, he told everybody, "I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, I got to take a break. I got to decompress." He had he had his emotional and mental issues that he dealt with. Now. When Jurgen Klinsmann came around to 2014, after Donovan had come back, after he had played relatively well with the uh, the Galaxy, I can't remember. He had he announced his retirement yet? 
I don't think he did until after the World Cup. Okay. So we didn't necessarily yeah. know Donovan was going to retire in 2014 until after the World Cup. And maybe the World Cup played a part of, uh, a part in that. I'm not going, look, I think Klinsman should have taken Donovan because Donovan would have helped the team. But I also don't necessarily blame Jurgen Klinsman for being unhappy with Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan has every right to, to maintain his mental health, but he doesn't get, he doesn't, he shouldn't get extra consideration from his boss if his boss needs him to play. So what I'm saying is just because you're Landon Donovan doesn't mean that you're going to get your spot back in the team after you take four months off that nobody else is taking. Okay. That's, that's harsh on the mental health part of it, but he's free to go help. He's free, free to go fix that as much as he wants. It's just not a get. So, so what I'm saying is, I don't know. I know it was a distraction. I'm not sure that was completely a distraction of Clinton's making. Yeah, yeah, but it just seems like ever since that fiasco before the World Cup happened, that's when it started. You know, even though we did play well in the World Cup, you can get a sense that there was there was a little bit of divide on whether um, Team USA should have kept. Whether there was a little divide among players, you know, whether it was the right decision to leave um, Landon Donovan off the off the schedule, mm. off the roster. Well, I I don't know that we've ever had anybody talk candidly about all of that stuff. Um, I will say that to say that they played well at the World Cup is an interesting um, interesting thing to say. They got out of the group, and, and ultimately that that's what mattered at the time. Um, and they got outshot by everybody. Thanks to the call. They get shot by, outshot by everybody. I mean, they get outshot. I don't know what the, I don't know ultimately what the stats were in Guatemala, but they get outshot by everybody because Jurgen Klinsmann's teams, despite whatever he said over the course of the past four years, don't play ag- aggressive, proactive soccer. They just don't. Stan in uh, New York, what's up? Hey, what's up, brother? How you feeling? Ah, uh, man, it was one of those weekends, right? Yeah, yeah, um, it was crazy. So, like, I'll, I'll make it clear. I know you probably got a ton of people behind me. But yeah, like, I'm driving home, and, like, my kids are like, yeah, Dad, like, um, yeah, we're losing 2-0 to Guatemala. And, yeah, that kind of just, like, wrapped up everything in a nutshell for me regarding how I felt about Klinsman. Like, I've been, like, a real Klinsman guy. You know, like, I really like the kind of, like, European, um, how can I say, viewpoint that he brought to a couple of things, like bringing Miguel Ibarra. And, you know, just kind of like some, some, some of the, a lot of the quirky things that he's done, there's been kind of like a, I've been able to play devil's advocate. But when I saw the roster, mind you, I didn't even know, like, who was on the field. When I saw the roster, I see Bedoya, I see Discarude. And for me, it's just like, yeah, he just got to go. You know, um, it's it's been long enough. He's played around with this roster for however long. You know, it's just like he just can't, just on the field. You know, if he wants to step back, do the whole technical director thing, push the whole German, you know, you know, I, I get there's probably a ton of value that we could probably absorb from that. But him as a coach, just strictly on 11 on 11, he, he has no business doing the job anymore, man. You know, it's, Nguyen should have been, should have been in there. Bradley's kind of like worked his course. That's debatable, but Dick, but Discarude, it's like there's no more, I don't know how you can verify his um his quality on the field anymore in comparison to other center midfielders that we have even at MLS or playing abroad, you know, um or even there's some kid in um in the eleven that's pretty decent. You know, it's this group has to go. You know, there's a couple of other players that have to go. You know, for me it's just it's time that we just cut ties with them, at least from the coaching perspective, because he's just not a good how can I say, tactical and 
managing of the on-the-field expectations that we have. You know, you mm-hmm. just can't get the job done anymore. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Stan. It's, um, it's pretty clear that if Jurgen Klinsmann has a plan, his plan is to change things at every turn. That, that's the, I mean, except change certain players who he seems to rely on to a fault, despite the fact they put in questionable performances. Now, I'm not going to give Michael Bradley a pass, but I think if you go back a couple years, you could make the argument that the worst thing to happen to Michael Bradley's international career was the hiring of Jurgen Klinsmann, because he has yo-yoed that guy back and forth across the center of midfield, asking him to do... Di- I mean, what were, what were Mix and Bradley supposed to do? In that game, right? I mean, I, I saw I saw Glenn Crooks who, uh, who who hosts the show on Sirius XM, and I'm friends with on Facebook. Was it was on Facebook yelling about this essentially in a post? It was Klinsman got he has it backwards, and and Klinsman has it backwards could be the phrase to embody his entire tenure. He has Michael Bradley and mixed disc group paired in central midfield. Who's supposed to be the creative element and who's supposed to be the holding midfielder? Well, I think logic, and most people would agree with this, says that Bradley is your deeper lying holding mid and Mixed Discrude is your forward, uh, forward playing creative force. Now, if he is, if he's not, whether or not Mixed Discrude is good enough to play that role is a different question than whether or not he is suited, better suited for that role than Michael Bradley. Okay. He's at least the lesser of the two defensive players, the lesser of the two rhythm players, the lesser of the two passers from the in terms of link play. Now, in terms of the incisive pass, eh, maybe we have a debate. But you at least have to recognize when you put those two players on, on the field together, there's a division of roles that makes sense and there's a division of roles that doesn't. And every single time we, put, we see a Jurgen Klinsmann team put on the field, we have a division of roles that makes no sense. Let's go to Daniel in uh, Atlanta. What's up, Daniel? Hey, Jason. Good morning. Um, good morning. I was going to take it in a little bit different direction of something that people have been talking about. Still on the anti-Klinsman uh, bandwagon, but um, I want to talk about his his training methods. And that's been a legacy issue with Klinsman, um, you know, since he's taken over the helm. But we haven't been talking about it as much lately as we used to. And yeah. The over the symptoms of overtraining. I mean, you know, you got the Philip Blom quote from back when Jurgen was the uh, manager at at uh, Bayern Munich, and 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 for the German national team, obviously. And he said, Blom said that all they did was practice fitness, and that they hardly ever worked on tactics. And then you go back to 2013, and you got the Honduras game down in uh, the first game of the 2013 hex, and uh, looked like Timmy Chandler was going to melt down there, and all our players were just. Um, you know, slow and slogging through the hot weather. You've got Donovan in 2014. He's cut before the World Cup right after he came out and said that at 32, he couldn't train two a days for a whole month. Um, you've got Altidore's hamstring injuries that have happened under Klinsman. You've got Fabian Johnson's hamstring injury that happened at the end of the World Cup. You've got Matt Bessler getting sent home in 2015 and Jurgen publicly calling him out on fitness. And then you look at what happened Friday night and you look at some of the things that people have said about the way the team looked. Jurgen himself said they looked like they lacked focus. I've seen people say that they played uninspired, that they were unprideful, that they just slogged around and looked like they didn't care and never got off their back foot. And these are all symptoms mm-hmm. of tired legs. I, I, dead I, legs I, I, Daniel, 
I saw your tweet. Um, was it Saturday that you put that out there, or maybe it was yesterday? I saw your tweet about yeah, it was, this. It was Friday, right after the game. Right after the game, yeah. and, and and I was, I somebody retweeted it, and I was just shaking my head, like nodding, not shaking, nodding my head, like yep, that sounds exactly right. I mean, you 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 should not ever have. I mean, we just started done talking to Grant Wall about identity, right? Well, the U.S. identity, and I know some of this stuff is subjective, it's intangible, it's hard to put your finger on. But but regardless of the situation, you always felt as though the United States would play as hard as they could and put themselves in a position to at least be competitive. Now, there, there have been some some slips over the years. I, I remember a game down in Costa Rica where they looked completely out of sync, couldn't do anything under Bob Bradley. You know, the fight was was there, but they, they couldn't figure it out. I'm not sure that we saw any of that. And, and, and to your to your to your point, to what you just said, I mean, how much of that is a, a result of Klinsman being too uh, too focused on having the most fit team? The United States didn't need somebody to come in and make them fitter necessarily. I mean, keep the fitness up, push it another 10 percent if you think you can find that. But don't don't do it so much that you take a, you actually take away that advantage. Yeah, and I think I think Klinsman, a lot of his mindset coming from um, Germany and working with the German players and his background as a player himself, he looks at the team and he says, okay, you guys aren't as good as what I'm used to, honestly. You're not technically as good, so we're going to have to outwork the other team. But that's never been a problem of ours. And I think anybody who, you know, 99% of the people who listen to your show are never professional soccer players, but even your lay person knows that like, you know, one day you go run three miles and, you know, hit the gym and work out and do some squats. And then you get 10 hours of sleep and are well hydrated, well fed and everything like that. But the next day, like as far as your lung capacity and your endurance, like you're, you're back to a hundred percent, but your legs aren't. And you go out there and you try to play a 90-minute soccer game like that. And, I mean, you're, that's what you're, you're going to look like. You lack focus. You're going to look uninspired, unprideful, and you're going to look like you don't care. Hmm. There you go. Um, let's uh, – right now, uh, Daniel, I mean, we're, we're trying to figure out what the, the, the next step is. But, again, in order for there to be a next step, it's going to require uh, sort of a catastrophic failure that we've never seen before. Paul Kennedy on Twitter just now. Uh, from U.S. Soccer, I'm oh, sorry, from uh, Soccer America. The U.S. men's national team is 14-0-2 at home in the semifinal round of the Kirk qualifying format. Anything but a win would be a sh- uh, it, well, on Tuesday would be a shock. If they don't win on uh, of tomorrow night, then then we're then we're talking about again the the not just a panic button, but we're talking about you know DefCon one, fire the missiles. We're, we're doing everything we we can here. And, and I hope it doesn't come to that. So, so we're sort of left in the situation where we, we, we want Klinsman to figure it out because otherwise we're screwed. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be the guy's number one fan tomorrow night. I'll tell you that. Cause I, like you said, we've never lost at home to Guatemala, but we've also in this modern era never not qualified for the World Cup and one leads to the other in this scenario. Mm. Um, so. All right, well, I appreciate the call, Dan. Yeah, all right, man. Thanks a lot for the insight. Uh, thanks a lot. There's it, 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 overtraining has been levied at Klinsman pretty consistently over his tenure. Um, as Daniel sort of outlined, there were uh, there's a number of sort of high profile incidents over the course of his time as as U.S. Soccer's head coach that give you pause. I mean, not that the lack of complaint means that Bob Bradley and, and Bruce Arena and Steve Sampson and Bora Militilovich didn't have their own problems with how they trained 
occasionally. But what has been true is that Klinsman has made, um, made fitness and training a central tenant, a central core part of his tenure as national team head coach. Whereas under Bradley in arena, we always sort of took that fitness for granted and assumed that the United States would be able to outrun anybody that they played against, regardless of who that was. And what we needed was a guy who could uh, get the most out of them in terms of um, their sharpness and, and tactically, obviously. That's what we, that's what we, when we levy c- criticism, at our national team head coaches prior to Jurgen Klinsmann, it was almost entirely based on the tactical nuances of the game, the failure tactically or, or, or player selection. When, now that we've got Jurgen Klinsmann, and again, he did a very good job of getting the United States out of the group at the World Cup in 2014. Um, he has now hit a place where not only are we questioning his tactics, and his player selection, by the way, tactics was supposed to be the thing that he advanced here. Part of the reason he's getting two and a half million dollars or three million dollars to be this team's head coach and technical director. Not only was he supposed to, now we're throwing on top of that the concerns about overtraining. And and, and he, here's, a, here's the perfect embodiment of this discussion from Bo uh, Bo Durr on Twitter. Does Klinsman emphasize fitness? Because he doesn't know how to fix other problems. If that, I mean, very possibly, right? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. And I don't know that Klinsman is recognizing that either. I think Klinsman just has a commitment to a certain fitness program that is, you know, this uh, fitness program that he, he decides to, to, to use come or hell or high water. All right. Let's, uh, let's see. We've got a couple of people trying to get through. On the phone line, 646-832-3909. You're going to get a couple more minutes of me here before we wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. Remember to go check us out on SiriusXMFC if you uh, if you have a subscription. Follow us on Twitter, at Soccer Morning. Uh, you can tweet us there as well. Bo's got a, obviously just got in. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Rickerman. If we're talking about replacing Klinsman, I think Thomas Rongen should be in the conversation, which is interesting. Uh, Daniel says, who just called, obviously, we don't need to keep putting a square peg in a round hole. We need round pegs at home. Um, let's go to Jared in Rhode Island. Jared, you're on the air. Uh, Jerry, actually. Okay, Jerry. Uh, hi, hi, Jerry. <laughs> um, well, what I, I wanted to talk about was, unfortunately, I feel like Clinton might have uh, kind of poisoned the well for future European coaches. And the reason why I say this is because I feel like if an American coach had the same kind of problems that he's having, they wouldn't have gotten as long a leash as he's getting right now. Um, well, I, 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 early, uh, Jerry, Jerry, well, I th- I don't, you may uh, be right, but I think you may be right because of how much those coaches got paid in, re- in comparison to Jurgen Klinsmann. I, I, re- I really do think yes. that this is as much a financial problem for Senior Galati as it is a problem of, of performance. And I'm not going to s- assume that, that Klinsmann gets a pass because he's German. I think, I think he's getting a pass because they invested so much in him. Well, yeah, yeah, I understand that, but like, you know, I'm not even getting into the whole sunk cost fallacy thing in economics, but uh, just in like just public opinion, you know, it's just, don't you, I kind of feel like just public opinion wise, 
uh, a lot of people were willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's German. You know what I mean? It's I, I feel like if, if, I like, if that, it's yeah. the same exact situation with an American coach making the same mistakes he made, he wouldn't have gotten that long leash from the fans. Okay. People still today still are kind of backing him up. You're right. You're right. This is true. There is there is a there is a core contingent of Jurgen Klinsmann fans who are who I think hang their hat on uh, a a euro a europhile viewpoint of soccer. Yes. I, I just think it's terrible for the future because the, I feel like if you put a European coach into this kind of situation. That and I do. I want a European kind of influence because I think it's good to look outward sometimes. But if you put a European coach in the situation, there's going to be a contingent of fans that will always think this person's right because yeah, they're European. You know, I, I think I think though we, we have an issue here in U.S. soccer and American soccer where there is there are a lot there's a lot of people who want to turn toward uh, towards the European um, experts because there's a, a sense that that they understand the game better or that American soccer is too insular and, and, and it limits itself. And, and I think that there's something to that. But there's also a contingent of people who say we should go American at all time. Only American coaches can understand American players, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we have to be very careful, Jerry, about becoming reactionary to the Klinsman tenure, no matter yeah. what happens with him. I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, maybe the yeah. answer is somebody who, uh, I don't know, a Chirundolo who spent, uh, you know, 20 years playing in, in Europe and, and is also an American. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's. Or, or- or, or maybe somebody like Peter Vermees, who spent many years in the Netherlands learning a Dutch style of stock, soccer, okay. yeah. introduced that to SKC and is successful. And sure. he understands American soccer. That's personally what I would want. Okay. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm fine with going for another European culture, but I don't think our fan base would, we don't, we just can't grasp it because we would just always give this person the benefit of the doubt, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a sense here. I think, I think it's probably, I mean, Klinsman, Klinsman has some of it. It would be even worse with certain big name coaches if they decided to go in that direction. Now, again, after this money that they're spending on Klinsman, I don't think we're going to see that. Um, but there certainly is this sense that if someone is wrong in this thing, it must be, the Americans, not the Europeans. I mean, just in in well, general yeah. sense, there's some people who have that viewpoint of American soccer. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the self-loathing well, I mean, American attitude. I mean, J- yeah. Jason, you're you're doing this show. You're American. You have no idea what you're talking about. That's <laughs> this is right. This is true. <laughs> there you go, Jerry. Uh, I mean, look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like we're we're being whiny about. Uh, look, I I don't I don't. I don't complain about the attitude of, I don't know how to say this. Basically, if we protest that, then we come off badly. And, and all I'm saying is, an, uh, Americans should trust Americans at, while at the same time trying to understand how to best integrate other viewpoints and ideas. I mean, uh, guy called, whatever your name is, NV406 on Twitter. Hire Ms. Marcelo Bielsa if, if Clinton gets fired. I don't think that, I mean, I think that would be hilarious and fun, but I don't think it would work. And not because Marcelo Bielsa is European and doesn't get American players, but because Marcelo Bielsa would not be a fit for what we've got here. I mean, it's more about the talent level and the style of play than anything else. So there you go. I mean, you just have to take each one of these conditions and situations and, 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 
again, no matter what you, we, no matter what we do, and this is just the the fact of life of a nascent soccer culture, Jerry. No matter what we do, there will be somebody on the other side saying you're doing that wrong. You know, you're do, you're you're choosing an American, and you're and you're missing out, and Americans don't know enough about soccer, or you're choosing a European, and you're missing out because Europeans don't understand Americans. No, I mean, I'm just to throw this out there, Marcelo Bielsa is Argentinian, but spent many years in Europe coaching. So, sure, yeah. you know, that's just just one thing to point out. That's a different perspective, and I I feel like like again, I hate to be the Peter Vermees guy, but like. He spent years in Europe. He gets American players. I feel like we should do something that's the best of both worlds, yeah. in, in my opinion. Okay. So, well, I I, 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 I've said thanks for the call, Jerry. I've said that if you thanks. want to, if you need to win games right now, if you need to go out there, and, and, and I mean, I, I don't know how long it would take him to to integrate his system. I, I'm not even sure a system would be the issue. If you need to win games, and you want a guy who has a clear idea of how he wants to play. Who would pick players to fit how he wants to play? Peter Vermees is probably one of the best guys you could pick. All right. That's going to do it for Soccer Morning here on a Monday. Again, a very interesting weekend. A good discussion with Grant Wall there to start the show. Thank you to everybody who called in Mike, Al, Nelly, Jerry, uh, Daniel. I'm, I'm probably missing a couple of you. Thank you so much for joining in. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap this up. We'll come back tomorrow. We'll have probably have more U.S. Men's National Team discussion considering they'll be facing Guatemala in Columbus tomorrow night. The U23s against Colombia in the second leg of that Olympic qualifying playoff. Other news and notes, Ibrahimovic, everything else. It's soccer morning. I'll see you then. Bye.